0: our thoughts control our, our lives everything that you think and i th- think determines what you'll do today and already done some of you knew what you were going to wear this morning last night so you put it out you got up this morning you put it on there was something about that outfit that you liked you like how it fit you you like that you worn it before and it looks good some of you choose to root for a team in the Super Bowl today because you like Peyton Manning, and you like that he's been there many times. You like that he's a veteran, he's experienced, he's a great person. You don't even like the Broncos, but you don't want that young guy named Cam Newton winning. Let someone else do it. You formed an opinion, and your opinion and your thought cause you to do an action, calls you to believe something. All of you have thought something today before you get up. Many of you will determine whether or not you will continue to love your husband or wife based on a form opinion about their action. They did this to me. They did this too many times to me. They did this over and over to me. So I choose to not love them anymore because of these things. So if you've taken these collection of thoughts... And it's formed an opinion and it's caused an action and you are who you think. The reason you will choose or not choose to listen to me today is because you have a formed opinion or you'll take the things that you're thinking as a result of hearing and you can choose to believe or not believe them. Our minds control what our hands, our feet, our bank accounts, and our mouths even say. And for many of us in this room, your thinking has you in bondage. Some of you are believing lies, and you have believed these things for years and years and years, but you believe it's truth That it's so true that you will continue to believe these lies and you're walled in this bondage. Your thinking has you in bondage. And these strongholds, Paul will tell us, and the word of God will tell us, must be broken down. Sometimes even your thinking causes you to think just crazy. Sometimes I will hear people say things and I would think, where did you begin and when did you begin to believe that lie? We must take all of our thinking, hold it up against and run it through and channel it with the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, then it's a lie that you must throw out. And so in this room and in the link and across the worldwide web are people who are doing things, who have done things, who refuse to do things based upon these thoughts that you've allowed to come into your mind and hold you and me in bondage. I've seen some crazy things in my life with people believe, and I ask them, where do you get that from? Many venues of receiving thoughts. Sometimes it calls you to just believe crazy things, Your thoughts will allow you to believe even stuff like this. Watch this crazy thinking.
1: It was my daughter, Mallory. She asked us for a stopwatch for her birthday. I never suspected anything. My son, Matt, started hanging out with a new crowd. I thought they were good kids, but soon he started wearing short shorts and t-shirts with bad puns. Where'd you get this? (laughs) Who knows? I know. Every year, 13 million kids try distance running for the first time, unaware that they're beginning a life of chafing male thigh exposure. you hey, Dr. Scholz? Indeed I am. Is he choose? Yeah. Oh, bam. And these right here. Let's try those on for size, huh? What's this gonna run us? It's uh, 25. Give it Our son Adam said it was just a party, but when we went to go check on him... A 5K. No!
0: I have no son. I stop. I have no son. Don't you even think about coming home for Christmas! <laughs>
1: Adam! You are literally breaking your mother's heart. Soon, 5Ks weren't enough. I started getting into marathons. What is it? Okay. He just kept getting metal, after metal, after (laughs) After metal. metal, his neck. There's so much weight, it just drug him down. Every day more and more of these hoodlums are running the streets. But what are they running from? What are they trying to hide? We gotta get back to traditional values, like walking, sitting down. I should have seen the warning signs. You know, he was running in place a lot, and he used gel inserts. I mean, I don't even know where you find that kind of thing. Suspect is being charged with distance running, runners high, freakish scrawniness. Hey, you keep quiet. But as the running epidemic spreads, parents and teachers are powerless to stop it. We took away her running shoes,
0: hoping she would stop, and then we hear about this thing called barefoot running? Is this some sort of sick joke? I mean, where does it stop?
1: Parents, talk to your kids about distance running. Help them find better hobbies, like video games.
0: Could you stop it for one minute, Matt?
1: Napping. Or diabetes. you don't eat your donut, you can't have broccoli. No, Dad, it's going to slow me down. I'm worried about you. In extreme cases, seek medical help. Your son's tested positive for shin splints chop the leg chop the leg distance running it's a dangerous and slippery slope sometimes a healthy life is worse than death
0: can you see where our thinking can take us you know we laugh at that but how many of us have those kind of things in our lives How many of us have this crazy thinking that's caused us to believe lies? How many of us have similar thoughts that we've allowed to get into our minds and they control our actions, they control our directions? The Bible says that our thoughts literally become our actions and we're supposed to take every thought captive in Christ and hold it up. And ask, is this truth? Or am I believing a lie about this? I watch it happen in sports. We've never beaten that team before. So the thought is... We can never beat them again. And they walk into your gym. They walk into your volleyball court. They walk onto your basketball court. They walk onto your baseball diamond. They walk next to you on the tee box of a golf match. And because this person's beaten you before, your mind is saying, I can't beat them. When scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you are living in defeated marriages? How many are believing lies that you'll never get married? How many of you believe in lies that you're not smart enough because your family didn't go to college and no one would? How many of you have all these lies that your marriage can't be reconciled because it's just too far gone and I can't hear from her or I haven't heard from her? How many of you are taking those thoughts captive and holding them against the Word of God and says, What does this say? Many of you, a couple weeks ago, took all these boats, and we put them in that boat, and you said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm going to challenge you from God's word today. Are you taking your thought life all in? Paul has a lot to say about this in the word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Grab your Bibles. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go on a journey and see what the word of God has to say about our thinking. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. Open up your mobile devices or your your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. Stand with me together as we read this out loud, God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Let's read this out loud together. Ready, read. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am quotes, timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you one way. I beg you that when I come, I might not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You may have a seat. We can see from this passage when we talk about thinking. The word of God uses this analogy that you and I are at war. We are at war. Right now, there's a war for your minds. So I want you to kind of throughout this service today to to kind of visualize that metaphor. Your mind, your thinking, your thought life is at war. And so if you're at war, then you need to battle correctly, the word of God says. We have to be vigilant soldiers ready to attack these thoughts that are trying to gain entrance into Our front yards into our homes. We must build a fortress of protection so that these thoughts don't destroy us. Or what will happen is if we allow them in, they'll become a stronghold. They'll become a barrier. We'll be boxed in. By the thoughts that aren't true. And these strongholds, these lies that we've chosen to believe that aren't true will push us down. Will cause us to be less than what Christ has intended us to be. Some of you in this room have lost ground this year in your walks with Jesus because you're believing a lie. Because you have a stronghold in your life. Some of you are looking and holding on to things against people. Choosing not to forgive people because you believe that you're right. You refuse to forgive even though the word of God says forgive one another as Christ loves and forgave the church. Some of you remain in broken marriages and refuse to step up because you're waiting for them. They need to do something. When the word of God says, in Philippians 2, to seek the interests of others above your own. You have the responsibility to not keep a record of wrongs, the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 13. Some of you are struggling in pornography, drug, food, and sex addiction. Dictions because of these thoughts that you've allowed to enter your mind, and you have a stronghold believing, I can overcome, when the word of God in Romans 8 says, We are more than overcomers, we are more than conquerors in Christ. When Philippians 4:13 says, Through Christ, I can do all things when Jeremiah 32:17 says, With God, all things are possible' We must gain control of our thoughts. And Paul says, take them captive. Consider them and hold them up. Is this a lie or is this the truth? This year, if you really want to go all in, if you choose to go all in, then you got to get out of the stronghold that your mind is in, or you'll end up in the same place in 2017. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think back a year as best as you can. Are you in a better place in your walk with God than you were one year ago? Are you in the same place physically, spiritually, relationally, and intellectually? Are you in a better place? Have you lost ground? The reason you and I are where we are at is because we've believed something. This thought has come and we've allowed it to enter our minds. And if we've lost ground, if we aren't where God wants us to be, then there is a stronghold in your life and my life because of that. And so Paul says, we do not wage war like the world does. We don't fight with weapons the world fights with. Hit the pause button and look at the imagery that Paul's using here. He talks about war, weapons, and battles. And he said that there is an enemy that's waging war against us. So we have walked, been walled off, literally, by these thoughts. Every one of these blocks, these bricks represents a thought. If you let this thought that's not true enter your mind, you literally have walled yourself off. There is a stronghold in your life. In the Old Testament, there's many references to strongholds. There's references to David and his men going to the stronghold of safety. Often it was on top of a mountain, on, top, on the side of a cliff where people couldn't get to them. They had an opportunity if someone tried to scale the wall or the mountain, they could pluck them off with a bow and arrow. They could drop brick bricks on them and rocks on them. They had an advantage. In the Old Testament, often a stronghold was an advantage. In the New Testament, Paul uses this imagery of a stronghold of our minds that we have and it controls us. We must break down the strongholds of lies in our lives. So what is a stronghold? A stronghold is a long pattern of thinking entrenched in our mind that the enemy has convinced us to be true, but in reality is a lie. Literally, it's Us being in prison to our thoughts, being surrounded, walled up by our thoughts. And the word of God says that we're supposed to demolish these strongholds. We're supposed to tear them down so that we can be all that we need to be. They come in many forms they come from experiences i can't trust men because my previous relationship this man did this to me and so you know what we do we take that thought and we begin to allow it to build a stronghold we 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 take it in our politics and we say things like this i'm allowed to call the president and Idiot. I'm allowed to that when the Word of God says in Timothy to pray for your leaders. I'm allowed to use social media and and to speak disparagingly about our leaders when the Word of God says we're supposed to pray for our leaders. I'm allowed to hold a grudge against a co worker and a former boss. I'm allowed to allow this bitterness to enter my mind when the Word of God says we're supposed to forgive one another. I'm allowed to hold this against a friend when the Word of God says we are supposed to not have vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord in Romans. We have all kinds of form opinions. I can't believe. That dude has tattoos on his arms and we can see them. When the word of God says to love one another and the word of God says nothing about tattoos being sinful. I can't believe that men want to wear earrings. Can you believe that? They put them in their ears. We allow these thoughts. When the word of God says to dress modestly, what isn't modest about two earrings? We, we form all kinds of opinions about people. I can't believe those guys that drive those big diesel trucks. Can you believe it? Do they have little man's disease when the word of God says to love one another? I can't believe that people have two homes. Can you believe when we have children that haven't been fed. Can you believe that they own two homes and they actually go there to refresh and revive and they bring other people with them when the word of God says, be hospitable with what you have. I can't believe that, that, that somehow we sing those music. Can you, did you hear the bass in that song? holy cow, my chest vibrating. When the word of God says, sing all kinds of spiritual tunes, enjoy them. And when we get to heaven, you're in for some of the most incredible bass that you've ever heard before. I can't believe that people like hymns. Can you believe they like hymns? When the word of God sing, says, sing hymns and spiritual songs to one another. By the way, it goes both ways. I can't believe that, that, that I could ever trust him. And so well, when he's done this to me, when the word of God says to take on the mind of Christ, who was willing to forgive move on. And what has happened, you and I have taken all of these thoughts and we've formed strongholds in our minds. We haven't taken them captive. We haven't allowed them to to be held against the grid of God's word. And we are in prison to our thoughts. How many of you have thoughts and opinions that just aren't biblical about your husband, about your wife, about Pastor Jim. <laughs> you see, we form these opinions, yet the Word of God says that there is something we're supposed to do with these opinions. We're supposed to demolish them because. We've let these lies enter. I'm too old. Let the young people do it. When I see in the Word of God, do whatever you can with all of your heart as if you're working for the Lord. I can't believe that, that we do this or do that. I can't believe this. And so we've let these lies and you don't even know it and I don't know, it, but all of us have thoughts that are lies. And before we know it, we're in prison. We are held in a stronghold. And the word of God is our wrecking ball. You see, if you haven't taken captive every thought, and held it against and filtered it through, then you and I could end up being in prison and Satan has us and he controls our lives. Yet what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to take these walls that we form, this wrecking ball called the word of God, and we're supposed to demolish them, tear them down, get rid of these thoughts, get rid of them. We're supposed to not let them in. That's what the word of God says. Yet some of you, I like the way I think. The way I think is the best way of thinking. Some of you will be in the same spot one year from now. than you are right now. You will not change until you change your thinking. So what are the things that keep us in bondage? What are the very things that keep us in How do we allow these thoughts to keep us in bondage? Paul says, destroy them, demolish them, get rid of them, hold them up against the wrecking ball called the word of God. If it's not truth, don't let it in. What are the things? What are the ways? The things that keep us in bondage often is our pride. And it goes like this, even for this message. Let me just ask a real personal question. Do you think that you need to be set free from your thinking? Don't answer that. At least somewhere in your life. And some of you think, no, I'm good, I'm good. (laughs) I'm good, Pastor Jim. Him? And every part of you wants to say, this is for you, this is for you. (laughs) We talked about this last night. You want to tell your kid, aren't you glad you heard that message? What did you learn from that message on your way home from church? And what we really need to do is strip ourselves of our pride and say, what does God want to teach me? Another thing that keeps us in bondage is unbelief. And it goes something like this. I could never be like that. I'm too messed up. There's too much baggage. And for some of you, this year, it's like, well, I messed up pretty badly this year. I could never recover. Listen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. My past is too, too ugly. If someone finds out that could, about my life, I could never be made new by God because God doesn't love damaged good or unbelief. I'm a worrier, and I will always worry. Have you ever run into someone like that? They want you to pacify them. They want you to say, yeah, I struggle with worry. You know, it's hard for me. Listen to me. Worry is called sin. Hold it up against the word of God. If you allow thoughts of worry to enter your life. Word of God tells us that as God cares for the sparrow and the bird, surely he can care for you. How many of you need to break down some walls of worry in your life? Another way that bondage builds in our thinking, failure. You'll say things like this, and I've heard people say, I'm just a failure. I'll never get better. And so because of that, I won't try. Or because you failed at something. Well, the last time I tried, the last time I tried to run that 5K, I I didn't make it. So I can't run again. The last time I was in a relationship, it fell apart. So I can never get in a relationship again. And so you've let, or the fear of failure. I'm not going to sign up because I'm afraid. What would they think if I don't measure up in their eyes? Listen to me. You don't have to compare yourselves, the word of God says to others. You just have to look at Christ and say, I'm already enough in Christ. So some of us in this room, listen, please hear me. This is critical. I tell my kids all the time, and my wife does too. No one can be stronger than you mentally. No one. They might have a better skill set, gifting set, but if you're stronger than them mentally and you take captive every thought, you will win every single time. Because in Christ, we are something else. Another way that bondage comes is fear. We allow these thoughts of fear to enter our minds. It goes like this, if I try something new, I might be embarrassed because I can't do it as well. I, listen, I see it happen all the time. You, you watch people stand on the edges and they're just hoping. You ever get in settings where there's, they, they draw a number? Have you ever been to like basketball games when, when they draw tickets and it's like, oh, I hope they don't call my number because I don't know if I can make that free throw. Yet you could walk out in your driveway and hit it 10 out of 12 times, but stand in front of all these people. You see, fear demobilizes us. It causes us to be less than what God wants. We have the fear of being rejected so we don't sign up. We have the fear of not measuring up. If we let thoughts of fear, by the way, over a hundred times in the Bible, it says, do not fear, do not be afraid. Do not allow fear to overcome you. Why? Because Jesus knew that that is a thought that we must take captive. How many of you haven't, Taking a job? How many of you ha- have refused to-, to ask your wife something or ask your husband something or even to, to ask your children something and encourage? How many of you have-, have not signed up for a ministry at grace because of fear? How many of you are letting fear and the thoughts of fear demobilize you? Another thing that keeps us in bondage just a plain cold love for Jesus. Matthew twenty four twelve tells us because of sin or lawlessness, it will abound. The love of many will grow cold. How many of you in your walks with the Lord is just so cold that no wonder, like you could never filter because you're not walking in the spirit. You're not, you're, not, you're not being filled with the spirit. And so these thoughts, Satan just has free access to your mind. And so you are walled up by all of these thoughts and lies. Many ways it comes too. So how do we let thoughts, how, how do we let things control us? When we let our experience shape our thinking instead of truth, we end up in a stronghold. Now we have to be really careful here because sometimes we'll say, I want an experienced person to lead this, I want someone who's been experienced in this area to run this business. I want someone experienced to be the point guard. I want someone experienced to be the teacher. I want someone experienced to be the pastor. I want someone experienced to do this. And so we, in our minds, if we're not careful, we think experience equates to godliness. We think experience equates to wisdom. We think that somehow experience, but, but it can be just the opposite. Sometimes we'll say, my experience has been in my last marriage that I can't trust men. Because the last time I tried to trust a man, he, he, he wasn't truthful to me. And so I'm going to this next relation. I want to know, even as you talk, I'm to let you know that I'm going to be watching you. And when you do this, I'm going to let you know, you got to build this trust. I, I, I don't trust you. And you're going to have to earn that trust. We let experience even shape our thinking. We even do it with God. I prayed to God, Lord, please God, heal my daughter. We invited the elders in and they laid oil on her head. And by the way, we do it at Grace too. If you're, you can call the church. Elders will come and lay oil in prayer, offered in faith. The Bible says in James five, that the sick person will be made well. And, and our elders have many times prayed and and if we're not careful, we do that. And it says that the prayer often in of faith and the factual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much and the sick person to be well. How many of you have even let your experience? Well, I pray, God, please heal my child. God, please heal them. And, and, and nothing changed. So I'm not asking God anymore. Last time I asked for healing, it didn't take place. Yet the word of God says that we're supposed to go to him and ask. And the word of God says he is the great physician. And the word of God says he's the same yesterday, today and forever and God can heal today. Yet we base our experience when that thought comes again. Nope, I'm not going to do it this time. I'm going to try something else. Even our experiences can be ungodly form of thinking. Our experiences had incredible strongholds on us. And by the way, keep in mind, Our experiences do not change who God is. Did you hear me? Our experiences do not change who God is. We even do it with our personalities. We have these formed opinions with our personalities, and there's all kinds of personalities. There's there's four main personalities. You're either cleric, you're sanguine, you're phlegmatic, or you're melancholy. And so we even let, well, this is just the way God made me, so I'm allowed to think this way. And not because I think that way, I'm allowed to act this way. Because I act this way, you just got to accept me, wife. You just got to accept me, husband. You just got to accept me in the workplace. I'm moody, everybody. And that's who I am. When the word of God says, we should not gripe or complain to each other. And so we have these different personalities. Caleric says, be successful. His argument or her argument is, I have to win. Their pretension is, I'm so effective. And so you have to be careful. The success, I got to be successful. When I know and you know, and we all know that we could give everything we had. And God says that we might not win on the scoreboard, but if we worked as though we were working for the Lord and we give everything we got, then we win. Personality, maybe you're sanguine. And your your makeup is, I want to be popular. His argument or her argument is, I have to make a splash. Do you know sanguine's? They're great to have on your team. His or her lofty opinion is, I'm so influential. I have so much charisma. Watch when I walk into the room. <laughs> Everybody loves me. Hey, I'm here. Hey, come on. Like we can use that thinking to somehow that we're the only ones that are influential. We're the only ones that can be used by God. We're the only ones that can be used in this setting. Even like a phlegmatic. A phlegmatic is your consistent. They're your plotter. They're consistent in what they do. But yet, even them, even those, their thinking is, I have to make peace. They're your peacemakers. Their lofty opinion can, I can never melt down. I have to be consistent. I have to make sure, have to make sure there's peace. Yet the word of God, what does the word of God say? It says, make every effort to make peace. What does that mean? There will be times, guess what? That peace won't come. Did you look at Paul's life? He had a friend. And there was a disagreement, and they went different ways. And that is in the Bible. Make every effort to. Melancholies are, they have to be right. His or her argument is, I have to be true to myself. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Their their lofty opinion is, I'm so credible, and I'm worthy of respect. When they walk in the room, listen, I'm right, you're not. You look at your wife and say, you're wrong, I'm right. I don't care what you have to say. I've already formed an opinion about this. So listen, do it my way or the highway. That is sinful. How else do we let our thoughts, when we let wrong doctrine shape our thinking, we end up in a stronghold? And by the way, they're rampant. I mean, I could list hundreds of them. Here's one. It's okay to live together before I get married. Where do you get that in the Bible? Well, it's okay. It's okay. It's not sin. Where do you get that in the Bible? Like, where'd you get that thought from? Well, you know, I was talking to my coworker and they did it too. My mom and dad, they did it and it worked out for them. Where do you get that from the Bible? That because it worked out for mom and dad, it's gonna work out for you and it's not sinful. Well, that's the way we've always done it. Right now I'm talking to people and you don't like me right now. But this is the word of God. Well, and it's okay to have sex before marriage. Like that's not sinful. Like shoe fits? It work. Where do you get that from Word of God? When Romans 13 says, "Keep the marriage bed pure." When the word of God tells us to flee, sexual morality. Like, see, here's what happens. We be, begin to believe these lies, these thoughts that somehow, as Christ's followers, it's OK. Let that thought in. Let that thought in. before we know it, we've allowed the philosophy and the hollow teaching of the world to be our worldview Colossians 2 talks about. Why are our lives so messed up? Because we haven't taken every thought captive and lined it up against the word of God. Here, I'll be very frank with all of us, include me. Look at your life. I look at my life and I was looking this week. This is where your best thinking has gotten you. It's the reason you are who you are today this is where your best thinking has gotten you. The reason you find yourself where you're at right now is because this is where your best thinking has gotten you. And if you don't like where you're at, as it, does it not line up with who God says you are and can be? Guess what? You've believed some lies. This is where your best thinking has gotten you. Do, do you like this version of yourself? Is this this who you believe God's created? This is where your best thinking has gotten you. So the word of God says, we must tear down our strongholds with the right weapons. Look at verse four again, look at chapter 10. Look what he says in chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians 10, verse four, he says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. I love the Greek word, it's dunamis, which is TNT. They have TNT power to demolish strongholds. And verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take what every thought? Captive every thought to make it what to Christ? Obedient to Christ. See, the picture is this Thought comes. Woo! What's God's word say? What's he say? Is it good or not good? Whoop, come stop. What's God? That's a good one. What's God's word say? Throw it out. What's God's word say? Good. What's God's word say? What's it say? What's it say? It's just every thought taken captive. It's if we don't, and I don't, listen to me. If we don't take every thought captive, then we will be walled off with ungodly thinking from the enemy and we will be in bondage to it. So how do, you, how do you battle? Paul says it's not the weapons of the world. Well, he gives us some good ones. Turn to Ephesians chapter six. Turn to Ephesians, just go a couple books forward. Look at Ephesians chapter six. Look at verse 10. And every time I turn here, there's a group of people that say, oh, is he gonna talk about spiritual armor again? Yes, I am. Let me just pull away and ask you this question. How many of you, Now, I don't want you to raise your hand, let the spirit be your guide. How many of you physically got dressed today? By the way, I'm glad you all did. Why? Because you're supposed to. You put on your pants. You put on your shirt. You put on your shoes. You put on your clothes. You put on your outer garments because that's what people do. We're dressed in public. And yet the word of God says we're supposed to get dressed spiritually. We're supposed to put on. How many of you Put on the armor of God this morning. And Paul says that we're in a war. The word of God says we are in a war. Some of you went to the war zone and you are undressed. And you wonder, why do I keep believing these lies? Let me show what Paul says in the word of God says, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. He says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. What's the first word of verse 11? What? Do what with the armor? Put it on. Okay, did you? No, I was going to church. I figured I'd be okay. Like, we're going to be reading God's word and worship him. Listen to me. If you didn't put on the armor of God, you are ready to get smacked around by the enemy. Look what else he says. Put on the armor of God so that you can take your stand against the what schemes? Devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not of this world. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Then he says this. Therefore do what with the armor of God? Why does he keep repeating? All right, Paul, you already said it once. Here's why. Because many of you didn't do it today. And he's telling you, do it. Do it, do it. Put on the armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You know, when I talk about this, sometimes I just see these glazed eyes. Like, how do I do that? Here's what you do. You stand up and you say in the morning, as you're getting dressed, it's the first thing I do. When I roll out of bed, why? Because God says to do it. And that's the word of God. I I, I did this morning. Lord, I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the sword of the spirit. I put on the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the feet shod with the preparation of peace. And I even pray, you've heard me say, if we can do this, I pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. I got dressed this morning. Let me just say it this way. As soon as my children were able and our children were able to understand that we were in a battle, that we were in a war, my wife and I taught our kids, you put on that armor. Some of you dads, your kids are 13, 14, 15, 16. You've never talked to them about it. And, you'll, 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 and some of you moms, you, you've never talked to them. You'll see them come out. You say, get back in there. That outfit doesn't match. Your shoes are on backwards, go change. But how many of you said, listen, you're not dressed spiritually, get back in there and get dressed. How many of you dads, you're supposed to be the providers and the caregivers and the gatekeepers, have taught your sons and daughters to put on the armor? How many of you asked your kids this morning, did you put the armor on? Listen, if you don't teach your kids, if you don't show your kids, you have just sent them to a battle that they will get kicked around in. So... You walk into our kids. <clears throat> we have taught them. Now they have responsibility, and our hope is that every day they do. If you walk into our children's, our younger son's bathroom, you know my wife has done. There at the medicine cabinet door, of the wood. You know what's up there? It's the armor of God. And my son can look there every day and says, "Put on the armor of God." Like, how many of you even talk to your kids about this? Listen, we're in a war. And what happens is your sweet little Johnny, your your fantastic Max, your incredible uh, Rebecca, your your loving daughter Carrie. Know what? They, every day they're letting these thoughts, and you haven't taught them how to equip themselves, and they are forming strongholds and don't even know it. You see, we're in a spirit war. We are fighting a spirit enemy which has spirit soldiers called demons. And we can't beat them with worldly weapons. They must be spirit (coughs) spirit weapons. Don't believe everything you think. It must be filtered. You see, the Bible tells us that we should take the word of God, the (coughs) sword of the spirit, and use it. Let, let Let me be very honest. Some of you spent more time packing your revolver today and thinking about it, that weapon, than you did the weapon, the word of God. I'm a card carrying, pink card, care holder, card holder. I can carry a revolver, a handgun. And some of you spend more time becoming a marksman with that than you do with this lethal weapon called the word of God. And some of you didn't strap your life with the word of God today but you surely did. if we were to show the revolvers in here, it would probably be a scary sight. <laughs> but how about if we backtrack the video of your life, how many of you this week spent time in his word, reading it, studying it, teaching it to your children, giving it to your wife, The word of God tells us that the word of God is a wrecking ball. And we have to demolish strongholds. The word of God also reminds us that we should use the word of God as a filter to everything that comes our way. Truth trumps lies. See, this book is more dangerous than you realize. You think, oh, my 9mm is a lot more dangerous than this. No, it isn't. Oh, my thirty-eight is more dangerous than this. No, it isn't. Oh, my AK is more dangerous than this. Uh-uh, no, it isn't. Oh, my AR is more dangerous than this. Uh-uh, no, it isn't. You see, some of you have went to the war zone today. You've walked right into the spirit world, and, and ladies, you have your bikinis on, and guys, you got your speedos, and you're going to get kicked around. And your marriages will fail. Your businesses will fall. Your personal life will be destroyed. Show me your thoughts. I'll show you your future. Show me your thoughts. I'll show you your future. Paul says here in First and second Corinthians that we're supposed to take every thought captive. What's that mean? It means to, to grab it and put it in prison. Let, let me demonstrate. Most of you know what this is. Paul says that every thought that comes our way, we're supposed to throw it in prison and then ask this question. Does it line up to God's word? We're supposed to take every thought captive. Does it line up to God's word? Does it line up? Does it line up? Does it line up? Does it line up? Nope, doesn't. We're supposed to take every thought captive because th- this is dirty. Nope, nope. Doesn't line up. Take every thought captive. Does it line up? Yep, that's good. Let's use that one. Take every thought captive. Take every thought captive. What's the say guy's God's word? Nope, nope. Take every thought captive. Does that line up? Yep, yep, good, 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 good. Good? And so what happens is, all of us, literally, if we haven't taken every thought captive, we have stinking thinking. And we built this wall. And you wonder, why is my marriage in such a wreck? Why can't I overcome this sin? Why isn't there reconciliation? Why am I at the same place I was a year ago? Because you haven't taken every thought captive. Listen, this is critical. Let me just ask some questions here. Why is it that you're not healthy right now? Why is it that you're 30 pounds overweight? 50 pounds overweight? Why is it some of you couldn't even walk two miles? Why? because you believe a lie. Somewhere along it says, it's too hard. I don't have time. It doesn't matter. It's not important. It's whatever it is. And so why is it that we're not healthy? Well, I like chocolate very much. It's my comfort food. Wait a minute. What's the word of God say? Who brings us comfort? The Holy Spirit is a comforter. And if you're relying on food to bring you more comfort than the Holy Spirit, you're believing a lie. So ask yourself this question. Why is it that you're not healthy physically, spiritually, intellectually, and relationally? Because I don't have time to read. Yet you'll have time to do a whole bunch of other mindless things. You see, you believe lies. You must take these lies. You must... Take them captive and say, no, that doesn't line up. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. I don't feel like it. And you take these thoughts and you hold them against God's word and you put those babies in prison. Neil Anderson, his book, Bondage Breaker, reminds us we must renounce the lies that have been held us in bondage and replace them with truth. See, here's what I know to be true, personally, and for you too. Satan knows that if he can control your thoughts, he can control your life. And by the way, you and I cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them, because you're believing lies. Let me just talk to husbands here for a second. Ephesians chapter 5 tells us this. That we're to make our wives holy by washing her through the Word. And then it says that we're, we should present her to God at the Bema seat as a radiant bride ready to be received. He says that we're supposed to wash her through the Word. And so we're supposed to be the gatekeepers and leaders of our homes. And many of you, because your marriage is in the wreckage, it's because you have dropped the ball here. Literally, you're supposed to, not only is she supposed to take a physical shower, you're supposed to bathe her, wash her with the word. You're supposed to take God's word when she's feeling down and she believes lies. No, honey, this is who you are. This is who God says you are. You are priesthood. You are you a are chosen generation. You are, God is enthralled with you. When, when she struggles with fear and worry, you say, no, honey, remember, as God God prepares and cares for the birds of the air. Listen, honey, he, 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 he cares for you. And when she struggles with, with fear, you say, you can tell her, honey, listen, honey, I know that's challenge, but listen, this is what God's word says. Do not fear because I am strong and awesome. God says, and, and when she looks at the finances with you and she wonders, you make this much and, and the bills are this much and you can take her to God's word and you can take her to Jeremiah thirty two seventeen 17 says, nothing is impossible for our God. You see, you should bathe her. You should wash her. She should be a radiant bride. And even though all hell is breaking around the world, your wife shines radiant in the middle of it because you bathe her with the word of God. That's our responsibility. How you doing? I'm tired when I get home from work. Like I like the remote. Did you fix supper? How many of you are just even circling around your wives and praying over her scripture? Like, baby, here, let, let me just read this to you today before I leave the house. This is what God says. Here, let me shower you with God's Word. Let, let, me, let me wash you clean before I go. How many of you even do that? When's the last time you've done that? When's the last time you've opened up God's Word and just showered your wife with God's Word? That's what that means. When's the last time you did that with your kids? When's the last time you did that with your three-year-old son? You see, if you and I expect to be in a different spot today a year from now, listen, we gotta change our thinking. Because if we don't, we'll continue to be controlled with this stinking thinking. I could tell you thousands of other things here, but fear is one of the greatest strongholds in our minds. Solomon said this in Proverbs that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We must take every thought captive and replace it with truth. You heard me say this last week, but I know this to be true because of my own personal life. Don't be the guy that has a friend that has been struggling with the same thing over and over, and you keep pacifying, loving enough to tell him or her the truth. You heard me say last week, a lot of people don't come to me and complain anymore. And they say, well, he's not very compassionate. Like, like, like he only has one feeling, and he used it. It's gone. That it might be true. But anyhow, <laughs> I do care. I care deeply. Listen, some of you have been sitting in the same seat all year long, and you haven't changed since last year. Listen, too much is at stake to let the enemy control your mind. L- let me tell you in closing who you are. And I, here's some truths. Like, these are the truths. Like, I'm going to wash you with God's word because I want to encourage you today as I, as I close out. Just, don't leave, just, just listen, don't check out. Don't look at Facebook and don't tweet. Just listen. This is truth. Listen to these truths. That we can say and we can speak because this is what God's word. You and I can say these things because this is what God's word. This has taken every thought captive. I will not say I can't because the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.13. I will lack nothing because God will supply all my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians four nineteen. I will not fear because God has not given me a spirit of fear; Satan has, but a power and love and sound mind and discipline, Second Timothy one seven. I will not lack faith to fulfill my calling because God has allotted to me a measure of faith, Romans twelve three. I will not be weak. Because the Lord is my strength. I will display strength and take action because I know God. Psalm 27.1. I will not allow Satan to have supremacy over my life. Because he that is in me, the Holy Spirit, is greater than he that's in the world. 1 John 4.4. I will not accept defeat because God always leads me in triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14. I will not lack wisdom because Christ became wisdom to me from God and God gives wisdom to me generously when I ask him, James 1, 5. I will not be depressed because I recall to mind God's loving kindness, compassion, and faithfulness and have hope that tomorrow will be better, Lamentations three twenty one to 23. I will not worry and fret because I can cast off all All my anxiety on Christ, who cares for me, 1 Peter 5, 7. I will never be in bondage knowing that there is liberty where the spirit of the Lord is, Galatians 5, 3. I will not feel condemned because the Bible says, I am not condemned because I am in Christ, Romans 8, 1. I will never feel alone because Jesus said, he's with me always, And he will never leave me nor forsake me. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never feel accused or that I'm a victim of bad luck. Because the Bible says that Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. That I might receive his spirit. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. I will not be discontented because I, like Paul, can learn to be content in all of my circumstances, Philippians 4, 11. I will never feel worthless because I know that Christ became sin on my behalf, that I might become the righteousness of God in him, 2 Corinthians 5, 22. I will not have a persecution complex knowing that nobody can be against me when God is for me, Romans 8, 31. I will not be confused because God is the author of peace and gives me knowledge through the indwelling of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. I will not feel like a failure because I am a conqueror in all things through Christ. Romans 8, 17. I will not let the pressure of this life bother me because I can take courage knowing that Jesus has overcome the world, Grace Community, John 14.